Welcome back to the Compete Clarity Podcast. This marks the return to our regular programming following the CI by Industry mini-series. If you haven't checked out that mini-series yet, you can listen to all those episodes alongside these ones. We released it all under the Compete Clarity name, and we've titled the episodes accordingly, so it should be super easy to find. If you're interested in that mini-series and would like to learn more about the discussions we had with competitive intelligence pros from five different industries with almost 50 years of CI experience between them, in the show notes, you can find a link to the CI by Industry ebook, which takes those conversations and distills them into the key takeaways and practical processes our guests have been iterating and improving through their time in CI. As a final note on that, before we get into the episode, we put this stuff together for you folks our members in the community and of course our listeners you guys wherever you may be around the globe if you've got any suggestions or feedback on any of the content we produce publish and put out there i want to hear it so send an email to alex at competitive intelligence alliance.io that's alex at competitive intelligence alliance.io and that will come straight through to me i'll read every single suggestion so if you've got any feedback at all on how we can improve the amount of value that we put out there for all of you lot, then please don't hesitate to reach out. But that's enough about us. Today's guest is Jade Phillips, Senior Strategy and Market Intelligence Manager at Agencia, who are part of American Express Global Business Travel. She's got eight solid years of experience in product marketing, CI and strategy behind her, and brings that expertise to the show today, where we talk all about the practical differences between competitive and market intelligence, the easy, quick way to identify your top three threats amongst your primary competitors, and how to use a win-loss initiative to drive win rates higher, and how Jade implements this herself. Let's welcome Jade Phillips. Awesome. So first off, you are the Senior Manager of Strategy and Market Intelligence at Egencia. Just so we understand, the listeners understand things like product line, types of things you're competing on specifically, um, would you mind just taking us through what Agencia is and what you guys do over there? Sure. So Agencia is a tech company in the business travel space. Um, so we provide business travel um, across all industries and um, across all um, company sizes. Our kind of target audience are mid-market. So you're kind of SME and also startups as well. And we kind of funnel into kind of large organizations as well. So that's our audience. Um, we don't have a specific industry that we work in. We work across all industries because everyone travels, which is great. Um, and we provide a platform where people can book flights, hotels, rail, kind of ground travel, um, and also manage a bit of their expenses like attached to travel as well. So an end-to-end kind of a business travel platform. Awesome. And um, how big is the company? What's the headcount like? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so we're quite a meaty company. I think we're just over 4,000 um, employees. Yeah, we're um, global, so based in all your key regions. So EMEA, APAC, um, North America as well. Um, I think, I'm not sure how many offices we have, but I imagine it to be over about 40 um, across um, the globe and stuff. We're headquartered in um, the States, Bellevue slash New York. Um, and I'm based in London, the UK at the moment. Awesome. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm dying to know whether the size of the company is reflected in the size of the competitive intelligence team. 
Um, how many people are in the team? Is it just you or is it like actually quite a large competitive intelligence team for once? So I am a one-man band at the moment. So it's just myself. Um, I sit within the product marketing team, but heading up the CI function. Um, and I support the the commercial team, a marketing team, but also product and engineering as well. So I do a lot of product competitive research and insights as well that help to drive kind of product strategy and the roadmap. So um, quite a, a big size of audience that I support. Um, and we do obviously have third parties that we work with as well to kind of help with some of the stuff that we do. But essentially at the moment, um, it's just myself in CI. Um, but it's great. Um, but CI is quite a new... A new profession, I would say. Um, so it's definitely one that's grown in interest in terms of companies and kind of taken a bit more seriously um, as well. So I think as time goes on, like product marketing kind of started off as like really, really small teams and now you're having teams with like 10, 15 and people in. I think CI will get to that stage like eventually as well. Yeah, awesome. And, you know, it seems to me that, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you did mention like third parties. Um, it kind of seems to me, for at least from the, the people I've spoken to so far, if someone has market intelligence in their sort of role title rather than competitive intelligence, it tends to follow this trend where it's because in their industry with what they're doing, competitive data is just kind of rare. Like it's hard to get a hold of like specific objective stuff that the competitors are saying about themselves that you can go away and use and be like, oh, okay, you're like in a SaaS company, for example, you know, if they're publishing change logs or they're like, um, you know, we've got an app or some software, here's literally what we changed since last time. Here's what we're planning on releasing and updating next week. You can't go out and find that necessarily. So, you know, you have to rely on like the foresters and the gardeners, um, et cetera, to kind of try and help mm -hmm. you understand from a broader market perspective, just what on earth is going on out there? Like, you know, because our competitors have like no real public presence that, I can I can grab. So just wondering, like, is that the case at Agencia as well? Is objective competitor data hard to get your hands on? I think in general, it's not even just like Agencia, it is hard and um, to get competitive data because a lot of companies are um more private, like in terms of what they're doing and what they're willing to show. Um, what I would say with competitor intelligence, it's definitely a mixture of kind of primary and secondary sources that you're kind of leverage. So with the um, kind of primary, it's going into your Salesforce data and seeing like feedback from your sales reps. If you've competed against a competitor, they might have included information on that from the prospect or customer as well from like the secondary sources I always find help centers are really, really good sources for that information as well, um, especially as most people's centers are open, which is great. So you can have a good um, snooze around and kind of see exactly what's happening in terms of enhancements and kind of new tools as well. So it's definitely a mixture of both types of kind of research primary and secondary. Um, and I think if you have and aggregator tools or news aggregator tools like um, um, Crayon. So Crayon's a, a popular CI um, tool. Um, it really helps to also just have everything central and easy to find as well. So that makes my life a bit easier. 
um, like in terms of understanding what competitors are doing. Yeah. So would you say that like, you know, if you had to pick like three sources of Intel, those three that you mentioned, like the kind of Salesforce feedback help centers, and then like perhaps, um, you know, aggregated news using like maybe a CI platform. Some people use like Google alerts to try and kind of like DIY it. Would you say those are kind of your three main sources or are there other ones that you would throw in there that you think actually that one's essential too? Yeah, it all depends on the nature of your project and the data that you need. Um, so what you will need to do first is determine your and data sources. Um, and again, this will link back to the data that you need. So it may be a case where primary sources are more relevant. So conducting your own um, interviews, surveys and focus groups or your secondary research around looking at existing databases, for example, online or reports and even websites like help centers as well. So it's hard to say what particular source is great. Um, it should be governed by the nature of the projects that you're working on um, and information that you need to um, collect for that research. Right. And presumably that figuring out what sources you're going to draw on and kind of the nature of the project itself, presumably that kind of starts with, um, I guess, communicating effectively with the stakeholder groups in question, um, you know, figuring out what they want from you and why they want it so that you can actually yeah. deliver that. What tips, I guess, do you have for people when it comes to working with, um, you know, sales or maybe reporting to leadership or product in terms of making sure they're, I guess, bought into whatever the project is that, that you're helping with, um, but also just in general, like effective communication with them so that, you know, you're sure you're understanding exactly what it is that they kind of require from you. Um, because, mm -hmm. you know, as you mentioned, you're a team of one, right? Like resources are kind of scarce. Um, you don't want any of your time during the week kind of going to waste because, um, you know, there was some miscommunication somewhere. Yeah, sure. Um, that's a lot to impact. So what I would start with saying is when you do um, any um, type of um, data gathering, the first point is to define your objectives. So clearly outline your goals and what you're trying to achieve. So what information and insights and um, am I trying to obtain? And if it's a case where you're providing research for a department, say the commercial team, then you need to sit down with those stakeholders and actually confirm exactly what the nature of the project is and the goal that you want to achieve from it as well. Um, I think going back to a bit of your question around their buy-in or um, communication, I think it's definitely good to rope them in at the beginning of projects so that you have their buy-in from the beginning um, and it's just as simple as just having regular um, touch points with them so be on zoom or sort of online or, or kind of email or even slack and um, but depending on what the best channels are for your organization and then just um but keep them and then keeping them up to date on successes and kind of milestones as well um and also kind of highlighting the value of what you're doing to them or for them and how that research will bring value um, to their roles as well. So um, the communi 
the communication piece is quite important. Um, but my best tip is to make sure that you involve them at the start of the project and make sure that they're up to date on everything that you're doing so that there's no miscommunication like along the line like in terms of what we should be focusing on and what you've delivered at the end of the project as well. Yeah, it sounds like a really great kind of like three point, um, three point piece of advice, I guess, for communication, good communication in general, right? Like rope them in at the beginning, touch base with them frequently, and then just keep them updated with milestones, um, how the kind of project's developing, how close you are to completing it, um, all that stuff. You know what, it kind of uh, has just occurred to me that we've never actually on the show before formally walked listeners through kind of the differences between competitive and market intelligence when it comes to like the practical day-to-day stuff. Um, so I'm just wondering quickly if you'd mind kind of walking us through some of those kind of more practical differences day-to-day as you see them and as you understand them and experience them in, in your own role. Sure. So, so competitive like intelligence, so that's focusing on your top competitors. Um, at Agencia, we have about eight, but three that we focus on. So we're very strategic on who we target and why we target. Um, And that's kind of aligned to win rate. So we have our top three threats, and then a lot of our initiatives are kind of based on how do we increase our win rate um, up against those top competitors. Um, And I think it's important to have a realistic or targeted group because it's impossible to um, have a strategy, like a CI strategy and plan that, say, targets all 10 of the people that you compete against. Like in terms of resources and time, it's it's just not doable like unless you have a significantly large team. So honing to those kind of top three and making sure that your sales team are equipped with the insights, the enablement that they need to win against them is quite key. Um, the market intelligence bit is around the industry. So identifying what trends and patterns you're seeing in the industry and why you're understanding them. So, for example, an AI at the moment is a hot topic across, I think, most industries from finance to education and even in travel as well. Um, and the reason why I my role is kind of divided into both kind of market and competitor is because the market piece is what keeps you competitive because it's actually understanding the current needs, but also the future needs of what your customers want as well. And that insight is what you can drive and back into products and make sure that their kind of roadmaps and their long-time planning is based specifically on the needs of the customer and market and not what they think we should be focusing on at the moment as well. So I emphasize 50-50 on kind of both aspects of um, intelligence for that. Awesome. Yeah, thanks very much for that explanation. I think that's, um, I think will help people listening to kind of, um, maybe if their role is strictly competitive intelligence, maybe incorporate some of that if they're not already, you know, it sounds like the market intelligence is the kind of context within which you're competing against, you know, competitor X, Y, and Z. And without that, it's going to be difficult not to get lost in the weeds a little bit with, you know, they have this feature or we have this feature. So one thing that you mentioned there, which I think was quite interesting, was, um, you know, prioritization. 
um, you know, for you in the competitive intelligence work that you do, you're prioritizing, you know, between sort of the eight to 10 competitors, you kind of boiled it down to the three main ones. And the way that you did that at Agencia was um, through win rate. So you identify kind of the top three threats within deals where, you know, maybe you're losing out a little more than you'd like to, or the three that were right at the top there. Um, and then the initiative is how do we increase the win rate? Um, so I'm just wondering what kind of tactics or strategies you used to kind of drive that win rate higher. So um, I think there's a number of ways that you can do that. Um, one of the ways is through win-loss interviews. Um, so having a win-loss interview program or strategy is quite good. Um, so what I've done in the past is have interviews done every quarter, about um, up to six. Um, I think six is a good size to provide um, a wide range of feedback and also to identify um, trends and patterns on why people have jumped on boards with you, but also why you lost a deal as well. And then feeding that um, insight and back into the commercial teams through um, through um, interactive sessions. So kind of and um, picking out the bits on why we win and why we lose and our competitive advantage against that competitor as well. And doing it um, in a way where you're kind of sharing those kind of key insights um, and but you can even incorporate kind of gamification and um, to make sure that the information you're sharing is actually resonating and being understood as well. Um, so win-loss interviews is a good way. Um, also things like um, having a session on your one of your top three competitors and really kind of just breaking down like in terms of what they do so having a section for example on their and um, products and service um, offering and kind of going into details on the different tools and features that they provide and then having a combat session on the tactical ways on how to beat them so what do they do good at, but also what is our advantage against them? What what we sh what should we be speaking about to prospects when we know that we're competing like against them? So what are the say top three or five things that you should mention? And it's not about bashing the competitor to them. It's just highlighting how. Um, your kind of strengths, your company strengths, and why that customer should go with you and based on what you do with that as well. So having those um, tactical sessions, I think is quite key as well. Um, and we're making sure that you have a central hub for all that information. So one system, one platform that people can go to and self-serve and find all that enablement and all that content that you're creating as well is quite key. Wow, thank you. That's a very detailed answer. So win-loss programs to start with, like customer interviews, you mentioned every quarter. So let's let's dig into that a little bit, actually. So, um, you know, win-loss programs, you know, I know different people have different ways that, that they like to do them, depending like, you know, how, how much resource they have and, and stuff like that. Um, you hear a lot of the time, you know, people recommending you use a third party um, for, you know, sometimes customers will get on the phone with you, but then they don't want to hurt feelings, they maybe aren't going to be as frank as you'd, as you'd like them to be. And then there's also the kind of like 
thorny issue of like, does the customer even, can you really be confident they even understand their own motivations for doing things? And if you're only speaking to one person at the business, are they the decision maker or is there like a group of decision makers? Um, and then the whole problem kind of grows arms and legs. But I guess the question would be, how do you deal with that uncertainty um, yourself? Yes, sure. So um, I think it's important not to blame and point the finger when you present these insights back to the commercial team. So going back to your point of um, making sure that, um, so one, like establishing the trust of the um, prospects that you're um, interviewing, so making them feel comfortable that they can be open and that they can give um, the honest feedback. And I think if you have the budget to go through a third party, because um, that will help to ensure that they are comfortable because it's a stranger to them. So they don't really have that sense of obligation to be nice. Um, then you should definitely do it. If you can't afford to do it, then it's obviously having yourself or, or someone else that they're not familiar with and, and just making sure that your names and everything else won't be passed back onto everyone and that the information um, that you share will is for um, educational purposes and nothing else as well. So that's a, another way to kind of build up their trust. In terms of how you share that insight back to the team, so for example, if you identify a trend that's quite negative on how we approach customers or prospects and stuff, um, it's not to pinpoint and to blame it's to provide alternative ways on how to go about and um, targeting certain individuals or um, industries as well so some things like we notice that customers sometimes feel um uncomfortable with um how with our communication style so a suggested way is to perhaps test this instead and see how it goes um, and and if it works then it should be a consistent thing in your sales strategy as well. So it's not about blaming, it's about um, educating um, and providing constructive ways on how to overcome challenges. Um, yeah. Okay, so we've got the customer interviews. Is there any um, kind of win-loss data getting pulled from maybe directly from sales logging something, maybe in a little drop-down field in the CRM um, after they finish, um, you know, after they close each deal, won or lost, um, or is it primarily the customer interviews for you? So, generally speaking, I think in Salesforce or your CRM system, you should have that box where um, people can include that information in. So, giving um, feedback to the specific deal and how they um and the experience um, of that particular customer and then when you do your win-loss like analysis um you should be reviewing that information because that's a key way to identify any trends as well that you're seeing from um your prospects and also how the sales reps approach certain deals and it could be and then it's also good um, but to look at those deals from like a company size. So is it, are you seeing a positive or a negative trend when it comes to large organizations that are coming through the sales pipeline or kind of SME as well? So again, I think it's important that you're opening that information 
into that kind of research and then feed it back to the team so they can leverage in future kind of deals as well. Okay, cool. So kind of approaching it from every angle. Um, you mentioned these like tactical kind of combat sessions. Um, I'm quite interested to know in the day-to-day -day practical aspect of, of putting those on, are there any kind of particular challenges people should know about that, um, because, you know, it's something that you definitely hear about, but, you know, depending, I guess, on the personality of the competitive intelligence person, um, organizing something like that, running a session might be something that they don't necessarily feel too comfortable with, or, you know, they might think, well, okay, maybe there aren't that many resources online in terms of like, how do I actually hold one? How do I conduct one? Um, what does it look like for you? And do you have any advice for people who maybe haven't done that before? Um, to kind of help them get over that first hurdle, so to speak? Yeah, sure. So I think that kind of links into a big thing that I support, which is relationship building. So making sure that you have really good relationships with um, key members of the teams that you support. Um, and one way to do this is to set up a CI kind of champ and program. So, for example, um, if you support the commercial and marketing team, it's having kind of key reps in your program that are the kind of voice of the customer, um, of their peers and of their teams. And they could be a good way to get the buy-in of everyone else in those departments as well. So when you have um, tactical like initiatives, they can help to kind of promote it on your behalf. So through Slack, through email, even just through kind of team meetings as well. Um, and I think they're a really, really good source for the buy-in aspect. I think in terms of um, having the, um, the confidence and trust of um, everyone else, it's just a case of just doing it. So just putting those meetings in the diary, um, putting yourself out there um, and just being um, open and yourself as well. Um, and what I would say in these types of meetings is to be informal. Don't come across as someone who's kind of dictating or kind of um, talking at um, but what you want them to do is engage them and involve them in the discussion. So even through your presentations or tactics, invite them to ask questions or ask people to ask questions and stuff as well. And again, that will help to kind of build up your relationship with them and also get more buy-in to what you're um, providing for them because all the content that you create in CI, but you want to make sure that it, it's adopted and regularly used and having those presentations where people where people can put a face to the name um, helps to kind of drive that as well because it's like, okay, well, I've seen how they are in the presentations, um, but we had a great discussion. I was able to share my feedback and honest and book reviews as well. So I would definitely start to incorporate this information into some of the stuff that I'm doing I can, um, into my day into my day to day course as well. So um, it, in a nutshell, relationships, um, building those relationships, starting with key members of the team first, and then eventually just building up trust through these um, wider meetings that you have is the approach that has worked for me across all my different CI roles and kind of product marketing roles that I've had. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Like it always strikes me, to be honest, how when I first learned about competitive intelligence and what it was, I just thought it was like spreadsheets and numbers and everything like that. And it always strikes me how in every episode and with everybody that I talk to, um, how much relationships and communication and working with other people is really like, I don't know if 90% of the job is, is, is accurate, but it's so much of it. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, if you, if you can't do that part of it effectively, then it doesn't really matter how good at, you know, gathering data and assimilating data and digesting it, um, you are, it just, you know, there'll, there'll be some kind of barrier somewhere, whether it's with adoption or whether it's with, you know, fully understanding what people need, um, or why, why sales aren't using your battle cards or something like that. Like I, I was speaking to a guy, um, speaking to a guy, a few weeks ago on the show, um, Chris Link, who was saying that, you know, if he doesn't optimize his battle cards for mobile devices, his sales team won't use them. Yeah. I'd like to move on now, um, if I may, just to talk about your analysis process a little bit. Once you've got all of your data kind of gathered from disparate sources, is there kind of a formal process that you follow to go, okay, here's my raw data. Now let's follow this process to turn it into, you know, deliverable A or deliverable B or deliverable C. Um, you know, you hear about these things um, like, you know, SWOT analysis, pestle analysis, Porter's five forces, stuff like that. Um, this kind of quite textbooky stuff that, um, you know, I'm never really sure whether competitive intelligence pros in practice use it or whether it's just, let's just get all the data I can sort of process it through my brain. And then once the project comes along, as long as I'm testing on top of the data, I'll know how to kind of deliver it in the format that I need. Do you use any of those formal kind of analysis frameworks, I guess at all, um, at yeah. Genzo, or is it the opposite? So I think in general, um, any date, so once you've done your um, data research, like you said, but the next stage is like analyzing of the data for trends and patterns and so forth. But I think how you do it depends on the nature of your project and what the objectives are as well. So the goals that you outlined at the beginning and stuff. So for example, if I'm doing a research project on win-loss, then I want to be looking on trends around kind of product feedback, any feedback around sales and marketing, um, and also um, behavioural patterns as well. Um, and I know those insights are what, are what will benefit the teams that um, I serve. So the commercial team will benefit from any kind of behavioural insights around buying patterns and trends. The product team will benefit around information on what tools and features the prospect felt were good or felt that needed to be enhanced or developed as well. Um, and then the marketing team would find insights around um, the needs and demands of customers, which I can then make sure is aligned in their campaigns as well. So I don't think there's a clear route of how we should um, but do the analysis. It should be kind of aligned to what your goal is and what specific information you're looking for but what I will say is it's really important even though your analysis like is actually based on the data you want to make sure that you're adding your own recommendations and key takeaways at the back of it and I think for CI we're in a unique position where 
um, executives also lean on us for um, direction of the business and what we should be um, prioritizing as well. And for us, that comes through the information and the data that we share. So for example, if your feedback is around um, not providing a certain aspect in your products, and at the back of it, you're losing kind of GBV, then in your recommendations, you need to highlight that because we don't have X, Y, and Z feature. Um, we are losing out against other competitors. And this is something that we should explore more, put more in investment behind in terms of if this is a new to a new tool or feature that we should be developing. And that could be things like mobile. So if you don't have like a strong mobile app at the moment, because most of your customers are on desktop, but now you're seeing trends on mobile, for example, then should we do more to optimize our product offering on mobile, for example, as well? So um, I think not just providing the analysis, but also adding your own recommendations and takeaways are quite key as well. Um, so yeah. That's, I think, is important when it comes to the analysis piece as well, in addition to analyzing the data. It's interesting. So you mentioned, um, you know, it kind of depends on the project. How in practice does that look for you day to day? Is it sort of like, um, I imagine, are there kind of these kind of set expectations that you're going to deliver, um, I don't know, some sort of like widespread competitive news brief once a quarter or once a month? And you're going to be kind of iterating over battle cards and things like that. And those are the kind of business as usual uh, responsibilities, I guess. Or is it more things landing on your desk in the morning and you're going, okay, I've got to deal with this today. What data do I need to deliver that specific thing? Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, it varies, um, but depending on what I'm doing. So with um, some of the data that we do, it is a case of um, going back and refreshing our battle cards, like you say, so making sure that with the new intelligence that we've had, um, that it's reflected in some of our um, kind of core materials. So like battle cards, for examples, and kind of sales decks and stuff like that as well. For um, other kind of ad hoc research pieces, um, in terms of how we present that, that's normally based on the person that you're presenting to. So um, I have a format of if it's a, say, for, for example, for products, they tend to want in depth information on what's happening with other products and competitors. So a word or kind of form that kind of splits into kind of key areas is what they feel like is more valuable. Um, if your insights, you're going to be presenting to the commercial team, presentations with short bullet points are quite key as well, and any kind of extra information in the, your speaker notes as well. So depending on the audience, your delivery and format should be kind of geared to their needs and how they digest information. Um, and content as well. Um, yeah, so it's a hard one, but you have to be flexible because you're not serving yourself, you're serving others. So you kind of need to cater to their needs in terms of how they receive information and kind of take that information in as well. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. You're not serving yourself, you're serving others. Like I think, you know, it must be a tricky one. Um, again, I guess it comes back to communication, but kind of answering the question that you wish you'd been asked, if that makes sense, sometimes a little bit. I'm sure there's a temptation to do some of that 
Um, so yeah, great point. Um, I do just want to go back quickly to something you mentioned a bit earlier, which is while we were talking about win-loss, you mentioned that you know it's quite essential to have this hub in place where people can go and check out resources in a kind of self-serve manner. Um, I'm kind of wondering what that looks like for you um, in terms of what resources end up in there. Um, you know, I spoke to other people who talk about um, like data packs, um, a data pack sort of style thing, um, or, you know, maybe they've got battle cards that are separate from a sort of like um, competitive deck that people can go into um, and kind of just bring themselves up to speed with the competitor. I, I imagine there's something similar in there for you as well. Yeah, so um, generally speaking, in any kind of CI hub, um, it's just making sure you have all your key information, um, so all your key assets, so your win-loss status, so be it interviews, be it kind of um, presentations or deep dives that you do at the back of it. Um, also linking to other resources, so if you use a tool like Crayon and your battle cards are on Crayon, so having links in your main platform that directs people to it as well like is quite key um and just making sure that the, the content is organized in a way that it's easy to find and navigate is quite key um and that's what we do so we have sections like win loss sections on like reports um sections on research and then by themes and topics as well which just makes it easier for whoever's going into it to find the information that they need. Um, and if you're super organized, but you can split it by the different departments that you speak. So if you produce content specifically for your marketing team, having a dedicated space with all their resources under, is quite a useful way um, for them to find information and to kind of make sure that it's been regularly like adopted as well. Um, but yeah, so everything that you do should be stored in that one platform. Um, if you have third parties that you link out to, um, you should still be linking to them through that platform as well. So that um, if they need to go into a battle cards, there's a link that they can click and then move the battle cards on your third party site, for example, like Crayon or whatever tool you use as well. So, um, yeah, it's making sure that everything is on there and organized in a way that it's easy to find um, and navigate. Are you quite an organized person by nature? Like, it sounds like you mm -hmm. feel quite strongly about that, but it should all be in one place. It should be easily navigable. You know, people shouldn't have to go over into like 20 different apps to find what they need. Yeah, well, by habit, yes. Um, I'm definitely like an organized and kind of regimental kind of person in terms of how things should be structured and organized, but also feedback from the commercial team as well. Um, and I've heard from sales folks um, the reason why they don't, use content for example is it's because they can't find it or it's not in a place where they normally look as well so having that that single source for everything helps to kind of um stop that silo of them using the content so we produce content to obviously being used and we invest a lot of time and money as well so you want to be making sure that they actually use it so having that central hub is quite key versus in having it in different places, for example, um, which then they can't refer back to if they need to kind of use it for different um, 
book calls at sales calls and stuff that they have it as well so in my case it's always been a mixture of me personally just being organized but also feedback from the commercial team of just not using content because it's just not in one place for them to self-serve um so yeah I, I think it's key that you have one platform um and if you don't definitely invest in a tool because it will save you so much time and also save you from people bombarding you with questions as well as to where things are located and saved as well. Um, and things like SharePoint, for example, are a good platform to have for, yeah, and good tools like that. Um, right. Just before we wrap, tell me about your biggest competitive intelligence success story. Like, was there a project that sticks out to you that, like, you know, um, you just really crushed it. Everything went really well. You were like, yep, this had a really massive impact um, positively on the business. Um, or maybe if you prefer, you know, we could go the opposite way and talk about something that didn't work so well and kind of the learnings from that. Sure. So um, I won't go into specific information, um, but um, we say there was some research that I did and it was in collaboration with our um win lost team as well or kind of MCRM team as well and what we discovered is that we um there's a certain area of our products that we don't technically provide um but at the back of not providing it um we're losing out on revenue to our target audience um so the case was being made is we should consider this is this a new route that our product should go down um, because this is what our audience are demanding. Um, and if we can't provide the demands, they will continue to go elsewhere. Um, so at the back of that, um, that conversation and that conversation was backed by data. And I think that's just a key thing to highlight. If you have a point, if you want to suggest or recommend anything to, to do with what your business and prioritize and be a direction that they go in. Always have data to back your point because you can't argue with data. It, it's there, it's facts, it's in front of you. Um, so yeah, so kind of based on the intelligence and insights that we provided, um, the business has now decided to invest in looking at if this is the particular route that we should go down moving forward. Um, and if we did, what will that look like? What we should be doing? What should that offer look like? Um, what would what would our customers benefit from, and what would make us different compared to what existing customers are doing now? Um, so that's a example that comes to mind at the moment, um, and something like that can really help to bring more business for your company as well. So. Um, it's really, really like, important um, if you are making those recommendations again, but you just have the intelligence, but to kind of back your thoughts. And also if you have others, other stakeholders that share the same view um, or stronger in numbers as well. So get them behind, get them to talk, badge and kind of promote as well and have that kind of task force in place if you want to kind of um, see that change happen or at least being considered anyway um but yes that's my kind of success story 
Yeah, awesome. Sorry, I put you on the spot there, made you like filter specifics <laughs> out. Um, but yeah, that's great to hear. Um, you know, we do hear from the community quite a lot. Like we get um, questions in the Slack channel and stuff. Um, you know, people asking, how can I boost the kind of credibility um, of, of the competitive pro intelligence program that I'm running? You know, how can I prove its value? How can I get more investment and, and get, you know, a bigger team maybe? Um, and, um, you know, it's always great to hear how competitive intelligence can have, you know, a positive impact on businesses and make people kind of rethink things and um, provide some strategic direction um, and stuff as well. So, yeah, Jade, I want to say thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Um, it's been great having you on. If people want to learn more about you or from you, um, can they follow you anywhere, LinkedIn maybe, um, anywhere like that? Sure. So LinkedIn is probably the best place. Um, and it's just simply my name. So Jade, spelled with a Y, so J-A-Y-D-E, and then Phillips with two L's. And happy to connect with people and network as well. And if you have any kind of questions on what I've said today as well, yeah, by all means, please reach out. Happy to kind of grow my network as well and learn from others as well because I'm still learning in CI. It's forever changing as well. So it'd be great to exchange kind of insights and stuff with others as well. Um, but thank you for having me on your show. It's been a great chat. You're very welcome. Thanks again, Jade. Thanks again, folks, for listening to another episode of the Compete Clarity Podcast. I'm here to tell you it's that time again. We are looking for show guests and we want to hear from you. If you've got at least five years of competitive intelligence experience, are not selling something and would like to share your story and your experience with our listeners, click the link in the show notes or send an email through to contribute at competitiveintelligencealliance.io and we'll be in touch. If you're a business or a vendor interested in sponsoring the show for a period of time or a set number of episodes, direct your inquiry to partner at competitiveintelligencealliance.io. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time.